the burnout of like finding your way out of a company is sort of different to the burnout of growing the company. You can be working a lot and hard, but if you feel like you're in control, it seems less like a chore. Burnout isn't how much you work. Burnout is, is how much you don't see the fruits of your labor. I have worked 80, 90 hours a week, and you end up really cranky, and you end up making a ton of mistakes. It's not really productive hours. Hi, I'm Paul Berger, founder of Dark. I'm Edith Harva, CEO and co-founder at LaunchDarkly. And you're listening to To Be Continuous, a podcast about continuous delivery and software development. You can get in touch with us anytime at our Twitter handle, at ContinuousCast. The show is brought to you by Heavybit. To learn more, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library, home to great educational talks from other developer company founders and industry leaders. Hey, Paul. Hello. You're looking really well-rested. Oh, thank you, thank you. How's work? Work is good. I love work. You love work? Work is great. When we started the podcast, you would not have said that. Well, yeah, I was burnt out. Well, how did you get over your burnout? I took 18 months off. How deep was the burnout that you needed 18 months? Well, I had spent four years doing a startup. I'm five and a half years in with Launch Darkly. Yeah, yeah, but uh, the burnout of like finding your way out of a company is sort of different to the burnout of growing the company, I think. Mm. Well, thanks for wearing the shirt today from Launch Darkly. I appreciate it. Of course, of course. So tell me about your burnout. Like, how are you combating it now? Uh, well, now I don't have burnout. Like, the work is is wonderful. Wow. Yeah. I mean, burnout isn't how much you work. Burnout is is how much you don't see the fruits of your labor. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know the exact mechanic behind this, but like, you don't get burnt out from from like. I mean, you probably get burnt out from working hundred hour weeks because you, you'd be tired and so on. But like, you can get burnt out working twenty hour weeks. Wow. So you don't, you don't think it's about the quantity, but rather the quality? It is whether you see positive outcomes of your work. I mean, th- this is why people hate working for big companies, right? Because you, you spend two years, and sure, you have a 40-hour week or whatever, and then you know, in two years, your, your feature has gotten shelved three times, and you've you know, had a corporate reshuffle six times, and you've had four new bosses, and, and like, that's where burnout comes from. That's why people work for small companies, Edie. You just described life as a Googler, right? I did, I did, yeah. yeah. I was, was specifically Google I was thinking of as I, as I described it. Yeah, I had a discussion with a friend once about the idea of agency. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you know agency? Uh, yes. Um, that you can be working a lot and hard, but if you feel like you're in control, mm-hmm. it, it seems less like a, a chore. Right, right. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's the same thing. Like if, if you're doing stuff and like you're turning it into something, then you have that sense of achievement. And you know you don't you don't want to be working yourself too ragged, but uh, there was all this stuff before Christmas about oh, yeah. the uh, what people talking about sixty hours or eighty hours. Where, where did that whole thing start? You know, it periodically like flares up on VC Twitter. Right, it's, uh, it's VCs periodically flares up of like uh, you know I think it was like eighteen months ago. The guy from Sequoia wrote this article about the Chinese startups are all working 100 hours a week. Oh, it was the 996, right? Yeah. Nine to nine, six days a week. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't imagine the quality of work that they're getting accomplished. Yeah, so I decided the time to just stay out of it because I don't see much personal ROI and getting dragged into long tweet yeah, storms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I remember in the early days when I was trying to get our seed together, so we were like mm-hmm. four people really needed money. And some VAC asked me straight faced, mm-hmm. "How are you going to make sure everybody works eighty nine hours a week?" I see. And in my head, I was like, "I don't want 
people to work that hard. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. and was worked- it a test? It probably wasn't a test, but like sometimes these these people ask you, to, you know, put up tests. No, the VC was very serious. They were said, "How are you going to make sure that everybody works 80, 90 hours a week mm-hmm. so that you get the stuff you need?" Mm-hmm. And I have worked 80, 90 hours a week, mm-hmm. and you end up really cranky, mm-hmm. and you end up making a ton of mistakes, mm-hmm. and you, you do, it's not really productive hours. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if I agree that 80-hour weeks are automatically mean that you're making mistakes. So I, I have a slightly more nuanced opinion here that then like you know forty hours is the right. I don't the know. Right thing. I don't think forty hours is necessarily right. Mm-hmm. I think that saying eighty hours every week without fail is, is right. Also seems, you know, one of the things that UCVCs often promote is this sort of hustle porn. Oh, I, I don't like that. Yeah. Well, tell me more about what you mean by hustle porn. Look at everyone in China working nine nine six. Yeah, I thought that article was ridiculous. There's a bunch of that going on. And I think that there is a little bit of truth to it as well, like all things that that you know you can get more done in sixty hours than forty hours. You know, you probably can't go much further than that without starting to make a, a lot more mistakes and, and seeing the the trade off. But also, it it depends a lot on do you have environments that are conducive to to getting shit done. Whether it's it's twenty hours or forty hours or sixty hours, you can't just have like the hustle porn of work yourselves to the bone and, and that's going to solve all your problems because that's like that is not going to solve all your problems. And also sometimes it leads to kind of the this perversion of FaceTime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Butts you know, and seats are, are the thing that's required. Yeah, and yeah. then people find ways around that. You know, the yeah. well, I'm going to be at the office for 60 hours, but three of that is playing uh, foosball. Yep, yeah. And I mean three a day. Yeah, no, I, I understand. Yeah, so like uh, I'm there, but... Three hours a day of foosball, another hour of lunch, another hour of right. dinner, and it's like, okay, you're there, but you're not yeah. actually so get, I mean, the, getting anything done. And wouldn't it be rather just for the company to say, like, get your stuff done and then go home? How do you feel about the work life inclusion? Uh, tell me more. Maybe work life integration is the thing. Like, you know, a lot of people ha- want to. You have... mean if you live and work in the same place? No, no, that wasn't specifically what I was referring to. Thanks. Because uh, how is that working uh, out? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> uh, we, we, we have an office. Oh, separate oh, no, from your we, house. We have like ten people now. Yeah, we, but, we, and, they're, and they're not in your home. They're not in, in in my home anymore. Not not for like a year now. Oh, yeah. I, d- I don't know. I don't know how long it's it's been that since we've done a podcast, but that that has changed. Was, yeah, do, do you remember we were in Heavy Bit for? Maybe you don't remember that. I remember that. Yeah, that was, that was we we moved them out of my house. Uh, so work life inclusion. Yes. Yeah, so, so so I mean a lot a lot of people value work life separation correctly. There are people who really enjoy work life integration. You know, a common thing is is that is that you hear about people in their in their early twenties who are like, you know, they 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 want to go to work and make friends with everyone there and play foosball together and eat three meals there and and, and, and get a massage there. I don't know what else what else goes on in haircuts. Haircuts. There we go. In in the Googles. So like, there's people who want that and who enjoy that, and I think it is fine that that exists, but it is not fine that that's a requirement. Yeah. So we, uh, my my co-founder and I started the company when we were in our thirties. And our first engineer had a, a kid when he joined. So we didn't really do stuff at night. Right. Like sometimes we're like, hey, you want to do a happy hour? And they're like, I want to go home and see my kids. Yeah, yeah. That that that's a thing that I hear people want to do when they have kids. Yeah. So like our culture kind of formed around like we would go out to lunch together. Mm-hmm. We still have lunch brought in every day. We yeah. are a lunch company, we're a coffee company, mm-hmm. but we never had like a culture of, you know, Thursdays are taco Thursday or yeah. something. 
versus when I was in my twenties, like I, you know, I was very yeah. much my my all my friends were at work and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's just an age thing. It's certainly related to being an age thing. Like I think it's also related to being a remote company. If you're if you're remote, then like you know you don't go to bars with your well, you, you, colleagues you, afterwards because they live in different cities. Or can whatever. you do like some non weird FaceTime thing though? Uh, I don't think you can do a FaceTime thing that's not weird. At, I at think a, particularly all, like at a happy hour at a bar. Yeah, could you imagine? Uh, I mean, that that would be so Silicon Valley. <laughs> particularly if like one person was in San Jose and the other in Lafayette or something, mm-hmm. and they both ride their um, what are those things called? The, the sticks the, the, with heads. The, the scooter that you wheeled in today? No, no, the the telepresence. That, oh yeah, that's it, telepresence robots. That just sounds so creepy. Is I mean, it, I guess it, they didn't really go anywhere. Yeah, so our culture, just because our early team had kids, mm-hmm. was very much like uh, we will hang out during the day, but nights are kid time. Yeah. To this day, like uh, we went to see the Star Wars premiere, mm-hmm. and we did that as an afternoon activity because mm-hmm. we wanted people to see the movie in a matinee and then go home. Right. We have people who are mostly in San Francisco. So it's actually two companies. One, so Circle was was like largely remote. Uh, certainly, engineering was was nearly all remote. A lot of people in their thirties, kids, that that sort of thing uh, from the very start. But there was there was also you know a couple of people who were who were younger and who actually did work all the hours of the day. And so 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 one correction. Yeah, we work all the hours of day. It's just like uh, so. I, I meant I meant. Uh, all the hours of the the actual day, not just the work day. Yeah, like uh, a really common pattern was uh, the people with kids. They go home, they put the kids down, and then mm-hmm. they get back on. Oh, so you're saying that that they're working a lot more than than the forty hours a week? We don't want to encourage people to work crazy hours, but mm-hmm. people do space them out. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you know, they'll be like, "Hey, I will be in the office at this time, and then yeah. I want to have this three to four hour block to." Get my kid, feed yeah. feed him or her, put them down, and then I'll be back online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it does not have to be. Hey, I'm in the office for that. Right, right, right. We were very focused on getting people uninterrupted time, and I think that's one of the important things about having, like, successfully using the time you have. Yes, that's yeah. So yeah. You, you can't you can't you know engineer things at twenty minutes at a time. No. Yeah. So it's like the the time you have shouldn't be chunked up by like, hey, I need to. Go play foosball right now. Yeah, yeah, and I think that um, I mean one of the things you hear about about people with kids is that they <laughs> that they get very good at using their time better. Like suddenly they're not wasting hours on Hacker News or Twitter or, or whatever else. That's what my, my co-founder certainly said. He's like, the time I spend, I want to make sure I'm spending it well. Right, right. How is it working out to have everybody here this time? So we we don't have everyone here. There's one person who's remote. He's in uh, Florida. And then there's nine in the office here. Oh, fun! It is fun, but it's. I mean, it, it. It's also like you know, the the office is a place where where people get things done quietly for the most part. And I do enjoy having a little more office banter than than we had a circle. And you know, I think I think people are are you know, quite social uh, and enjoy being social. We also have like you know, m- most people go home. Yeah. Some people you occasionally see them working late. But they're employees, and you know, our job is to get the most out of them, which means not the most time, but the most outcomes. Yeah. Uh, and the most outcomes require that people, you know, get a good night's sleep. Yeah. And and are happy in their lives. Yeah. And and all that shit. And that's that's how people get really good work done. I've been really focusing on psychological safety lately. Mm-hmm. 
which is just this idea that if you feel that you are safe, you mm-hmm. do a much better job. Sure. Say, say more about that? Well, it's funny that you have to do studies to make it sound obvious uh, before I <laughs> before I made fun of Google, but they actually are really good about data-driven uh, management. So they did a lot of surveys with their different teams about which were the most successful. Uh-huh. And the teams they found were the most successful is the ones where they felt like people had the freedom to make mistakes. That's funny. I, I saw some discussion of this on Twitter that, that had some other thoughts on oh. the matter. <laughs> Go ahead. I think it said something like, I, I'm I'm going to get this wrong. So the teams that had the most psychological safety were the teams with the least diversity. Ah. And that there was something along the lines of it was not okay for underrepresented people to make mistakes in the way that it was for overrepresented people to make mistakes. Ah. Yeah, so it, it starts to get a lot more complicated. Yeah. But, yeah. It doesn't doesn't sound so good anymore, does it? No, I mean, I mean, the the hope is that you create it, and this this is what I tell yeah, our, yeah, our yeah, team yeah. is that um, you know we're a startup, we're doing the first thing. Yeah. Well, and and to be clear, psychological safety, good. Just making sure that everyone gets the psychological yes. safety. Yes. Yes. And um, and also to put the guardrails in place that people aren't making like crazy mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, one of the things that that. You know, as we grew, and I'm sure I'm sure you've seen the same thing, and every company sees the same thing, that you hit an inflection point where the old processes don't work. Oh gosh, every six months. Yeah. So and uh, the thing that has made it really successful for us is like being proactive yes. at figuring out what the guardrails are. Yeah, I mean, um, so we've been basically doubling or tripling our team for the last three years. Yeah, uh, once a year you double. Basically, once a year. How many people are you now? We're 160. 160. So. What I tell the team is that the stuff that worked last year is not going to work now, yep. and we don't know what stuff is not going to work. Mm-hmm. Do you so like like some of it is going to work, some of it is not, and it's fine. Do you fine. prep for what's not going to work, or do you just like run it until it no longer works and and just keep an eye out for it? There's stuff we know isn't going to work, mm-hmm. and then there's the stuff you don't know is broken until it breaks. Okay, like there's some stuff where you're like, okay, you know, the way we ran performance reviews when we were eight people does not work when you're over a hundred. Yeah, yeah, you know, so let's put some process in place and like. You know, have some stuff. There's other stuff where you're like, oh shoot, this just doesn't work anymore. Yep, yep. Uh, and then there's stuff that's just like a gradual evolution. Like, um, we had our all hands today, mm-hmm. and I'm a big believer in all hands. Mm-hmm. I started them when I was at TripIt out of my own frustration. Mm-hmm. We never had an all hands, and I was always like, who joined? What's happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started a program of doing a monthly. We call them town halls there, mm-hmm. and when we we're four eight people at Heavy Bit. We didn't need all hands. No, I everyone mean, everyone knows everything. Yeah, I mean everybody knows everything instantly because we all sat like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, but when we got to twenty, I started doing all hands, mm-hmm. and they were pretty informal. Like I would just stand in front of the company and say, "This is what's going on." Yeah, and people would raise their hand and ask questions or ask me questions without raising their hands. Mm-hmm. This was a thing that uh, I did very badly at uh, in the early days of Circle. So when we when we transitioned from. You know, small enough to not need an all hands to larger, where you need more coordination. I wasn't very good at adding in that coordination, you know, with the fear that like you know meetings are bad, sort of thing. But what we ended up with instead is that everyone had to spend all this overhead trying to figure out what was going on and trying to figure out what to work on and trying to figure out what was important and that kind of thing. So I, I totally, I totally see what you're saying. Yeah, it was management by osmosis. Yeah, and it turns out that's expensive and also uh, very error prone. 
Uh, both of these things, yes, yes. When you don't have an explicit process that is that is setting some sort of direction, then people will pick their own direction or have this uh, ladder of, well, I thought I was supposed to do this because this person told me this, and now I feel hurt because. Oh yeah, yeah. bad in many ways. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, if anyone's listening to this who's still doing the flat company thing, stop <laughs> it. <laughs> well, so all hands have gotten to be more and more of a production over time. Of course, yeah, yeah. Like now, um, like in the early days, it was just basically ask me anything style. How, how, how remote are you? We're about fifteen percent remote. Fifteen? Yeah. Uh, and are they and, in U.S. time zones, or and, what's the like? How do the remote people show up for the all hands? Yeah, and I'm less and less fond of the word remote, to be honest, because mm-hmm. like we have a New York office. Distributed. Uh, global. So I, I was I was asking, how do the people who are not in the San Francisco office? Oakland. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> you just lost our clean yeah, rating, by the God way. God damn it. <laughs> Oakland. Now we have to put explicit on this episode. Really? For saying fuck? <laughs> oh, you're just doubling down. Surely we have to put explicit on every single episode that I've been involved in. Unless I edit this one out, yeah. Right. I, I remember I, I went to, I was on some podcast where someone asked me to not say fuck as much. Oh, it was... Um, <laughs> It was. It wasn't a clearly pod- left a great impression. It wasn't a podcast. It was. Uh, it was. <laughs> a, your- it was a conference in Salt Lake City, oh, and nice. there was there was like a note in the in the speaker thing being like, you know, we have a lot of people who don't who don't enjoy profanity. Uh, immediately forgot. <laughs> My mother uh, listened to one of our podcasts about halfway through, and she's like, "It would be a good podcast if you two didn't swear so much." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My mother also asked, uh, bless her heart, she doesn't listen to the podcast. Mm. So she's on a bunch of standard boards for DevOps. And one of her questions to me was, I can't seem to find any good documentation on how to do open source management. What is open source management? Like management of open source projects. Oh yeah, because none of them do any management. Yeah, It's (laughs) it's a a complete fucking shit show. (laughs) She's like, I'm trying to do a standard for how to manage open source projects. And I'm like... Oh, well, if if any of them had (laughs) management, then... So I'm trying to avoid the word remote because that implies that like Oakland is the only place. I'm trying to use the word global because we have a global. New York, we have a New York team. Some some nice double speak there. We have a New York team. We have people in London. We're about to put mm-hmm. people in Sydney. What time is your all hands? 11 a.m. Pacific Standard. So if you're in London, that's uh, 7 p.m. So it's not the worst. Yeah. So like on a Thursday. Okay. Yeah. So like a, I'm, I'm sure people don't go out on Thursdays in in London. When I was in Sydney for work, I called into the All Hands and it was uh, uh, eight a.m. Yeah, we were hiring people and we put on our website that like you know within four hours of of San Francisco, not realizing that that included New Zealand. Oh my, yeah, yeah. New Zealand is four hours from San Francisco. Who knew? Yeah, New Zealand's a great place. Uh, yeah, I've never been. Oh, yeah, but we were we were actually trying to keep it within a you know everyone within a four hour window. Not we wrote the wrong thing on the website basically. That's a four-hour window of of, uh, of San Francisco. Oh, flying out of time zone. Uh, we are trying to keep everyone within within a four-hour window. But they are not four hours each way. That would be an eight-hour window. Oh, yeah. The wheel kind of turned just enough. Yeah, right yeah. Now. And so San Francisco is one end of the window, and and yeah, I don't know Brazil or Argentina or something is the other end of the window. Yeah. So all hands have gone more and more, and you realize why big companies act the way they do. Mm-hmm. Before it was more ask me anything. Mm-hmm. Now we have people put in their slides ahead of time uh-huh. because we need to look at the overall length and make sure that it's not. You, you don't have um, ten halls where you can be asked anything. We did that in the early days. Mm-hmm. 
we still now like uh, we have an anonymous question forum where people can ask anonymous questions. Ooh, does everyone get to see the anonymous no, questions? We screen uh, them. Yeah, yeah. We did, we did this at TripIt and we screen them. Yeah, yeah. Just because yeah, so they can be incredibly mental. personal or rude sometimes. Yeah. Like they can be at the point of like, there's no need to say this. Mm-hmm. Some sort of Google memo thing going on. Oh, just really mean stuff. Like, mm-hmm. why is so and so? Wow. Like calling out someone by name. And do you read that and think, why is so and so doing that? Yeah, but like, well, I mean, at, at least a trip it, like, you want to have some sort of behind the scenes counseling of like, okay, what's going on? Let's yeah, go yeah, talk yeah, to so and so. Let's figure out what. There's some dispute here that needs to be resolved. Yeah, yeah but that does not need to That's be. That's not an all hands thing. No. Yeah. It's not a live tweet. I've seen someone read out things that were not vetted and it went predictably. So now we're much more big company style. Like, people have to submit their slides in advance. And everybody's like, why do we have to submit my slides in advance? Can't I just walk up and plug in my computer when it's my turn to go? And it's like, yeah. well, no, because then we spend the entire all hands. Figuring out your computer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If we have seven presenters, we don't have time for yeah. everybody to play. And that'll take the whole 40 hours that they're supposed to be there to figure out the projector. Yeah, my joke is that the AV is the hardest part of any presentation. It's not a joke. It's not It's not humorous. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just literally like, oh, what's the password for the Wi-Fi? Mm-hmm. How do I get this on the screen in the right aspect ratio? So, um, the, how many hours do you work, Edie? It depends on the week. It's say between fifty to seventy. Fifty to seventy. Uh, and how much of that would you say is like high quality work? It depends on the week. Mm-hmm. I actually, it's funny. We just we're just past New Year's, and I really like this past week before because a lot of people were on holiday. Mm-hmm. And oh, my joke get was, so much done. I could get so much done. Yeah, oh, it's so good. But on the other hand, like I'm the CEO, like. My job is all the stuff that has to happen when people are here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I see. Like I'm like, oh, I don't have any one-on-ones. This, well, I had oh. far less one-on-ones because a lot of people were on mm-hmm. vacation. So, did you take the time to to think more and plan and that sort of thing? Yeah, think, yeah. catch up. I mean, like do basic mm-hmm. paperwork. And now it's kind of back in it, but like that's my job. So my my job is sort of it's sort of odd, but it's sort of like part CTO, part coding, part Management part, you know, co-founder part, product direction. It's 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 all a lot of things, and so that the, there's a but like a lot of it is just like code review and pairing with people and and sort of spreading the knowledge of the code base or the product around. So I I don't get very good you know blocks of coding during the work week. So at Christmas, yeah. Uh, suddenly, there's no one to manage. There's no one-on-ones. I yeah, de- I deleted six thousand lines of code at Christmas week. It was fucking wonderful. Yeah, I worked on a blog I've been sitting on for forever. Mm-hmm. Should have sent to you for feedback. Oh yeah, that was really good. Yeah, so like, there's all this stuff that like, um, you know, what I've realized. Um, it's about five and a half years in. Is there are many tasks where you're like, oh, this is just a forty-five minute hour task. Yeah, but yet. It's really hard yeah. to get to them. You need to find time to get those tasks done. Yeah, like I, I, my email is is my task that I don't get to, and I try to like put an hour or two at the end of the week to like keep my email vaguely under control. I stay on top of email. I mean, the stuff that slipped over the past year, to be honest, is like the podcast. Mm, yeah. People write us and they're like, "We want more podcasts." Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, it's hard. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll say like um. I love doing them, but they are. I have to find a time that works for both of us. Yeah, 
And then we have to coordinate with heavy bit. Mm-hmm. And then there's the actual like getting here because I don't sit outside anymore. Right. And then there's the editing. Yeah. So, yeah. and the old. I appreciate that you do all that work and that I just show up. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming. Yeah. It is time. And it's just when I get really busy at work, it just slides off mm-hmm. the table. Because mm-hmm. uh, like the travel, just traveling a lot makes it oh, hard. Oh, yeah. Shit. I mean, you, you do a lot of travel, right? Yeah. You're the CEO who like shows up to sell. Yeah. That was that was never the CEO that I was. You never sold up to sell. I ne- never showed up. <laughs> like period. I mean, like three times to places in San Francisco. What? Yeah, no. the The circle was like very bottom up. Oh my gosh! And uh, you know, obviously, once they hired salespeople, things got a lot better. But <laughs> but we had million dollar contracts for people that were on a credit card and that we did not that we did not show up to do the selling. Well, kudos to you to pulling that off. Yeah, no, that that, that was great. Yeah, uh, happened happened multiple times. Kudos to you. I mean, uh, we're big enough now that it's not just me. I mean, it's not like the early days. So Circle was uh, one of our first ten customers. Yeah, and I remember my co-founder going to sell. Aww, memories. Yeah, and that was after we'd done the podcast for a while. Who who were you selling to? Uh, Jim Rose and mm-hmm. uh, Zuber. Yeah, and uh, Travis. Mm-hmm. And did they buy? Yes. I mean, Circle's been a customer for years now. Nice. Nice. You know this. I mean, I was aware of it, but I wasn't clear at what stage it was brought in. Oh yeah, Circle. I think was a very early customer. One of, one of the first. And we've, were- we've been talking about getting launched darkly in recently. We have a couple of uh, homegrown feature flags in various places that were, especially in our clients, that we're looking to. Well, if you if you sign up, I'll get you a new T-shirt. Oh, wonderful! Thank you. It needs a it needs a refresh. It's looking very tattered from wearing it every day for the last four years. Yeah, man. But you travel now as your CTO. Uh, I do the occasional conference, but I, I try not to. Yeah, I, I really, I really don't like travel. It's like the stage that we're at as a company, travel, and and you know the. I, I would argue that for the vast majority of startups, anything that involves travel is probably not beneficial. And the only things where I'd say it is beneficial are where you're doing top down sales, founder led top down sales, and. Where conferences or events form an important part of your marketing, but I think a lot of people do conferences that are not an important part of their marketing. Yeah, I mean, I was about to disagree with you, but then you just said all my points. Okay. If you're doing some sort of category creation, mm-hmm. I think conferences are incredibly important. Uh, was Launch Darkly during category creation? Yes. Right. Like there was two questions when we started. Do you think feature flagging is useful at all? Mm-hmm. And it seems really obvious now, but like six years ago, a lot of people said no. Mm-hmm. And if you feel feature flagging is useful at all, do you want to purchase it from us? Mm-hmm. So there was a ton of education in the market. I see. With Circle CI, the CI market existed, or you know, there's a, a CI-shaped hole in the market, and so it didn't really need all that much education. But I think it's now gotten to the size where where education is important. But with Dark, there's a lot of you know, I, I, I guess you'd call it category creation. It's, it's, you know, we, we don't have a good name for the category. We're kind of going with deploy list a little bit, but you know, what is this thing that we are building and why do you need it? Yes, is is a thing that we have that we spend quite a lot of time doing. Yeah, do you need this and why us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I can look back at different conferences and trace back like we got this customer or we got this employee from it. Yeah, we we we've, we have a lot of similar similar things. Well. I think we kind of spun back around because at the beginning I said don't work too hard and then mm-hmm. 
I, I think you need to work hard enough and smart enough. I mean, I, I think the the major thing I would say around it is that like founders do need to work quite hard. Oh yes, but it isn't fair to apply the same standards to your employees. Your your, your employees are not you know thirty percent owners in the business. It's it's not the same at all. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll add two more nuances. I remember in the early days of Lunch Darkly once, I was a little frustrated. I was like, nobody seems to care as much as me. Mm-hmm. And, then like, I was, yeah. and then I was like, well, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if they did, like you would be undercaring. Yeah, like of course I need to, yeah. of course John and my co-founder need to care more than anybody. Yeah, we had a, we had a weird moment. I was um, dialed into a conference uh, to our daily stand-up yesterday from home and someone said, Paul, is that, is that like an Aeron? Did you buy that yourself? And I was like, yeah, you know, for my for my home office. And then I showed them my home office, and it's an exact replica of my work office. It's like same desk, same monitor, same same everything. Because like, just it's nice to come home. I have the exact same setup. Paul, that makes me kind of sad. Why? So j- just as you come into my house, so I, I live with Ellen, and her desk and my desk are just like in the little nook as you walk in. And it's great. It's, it's wonderful. Like I want to work a weekend. Great. I have, a, I have a perfect setup. I don't need to go into the office for it. The other nuance is, I think you can work too hard and burn out, and that's incredibly dangerous. I think so. And, and you made a good point. It's not necessarily about hours. It's not about hours. It's about making sure that you have good outcomes. And I, th- I think the most important part of it is, is recognizing when you're doing work that's not productive and like stopping. Yeah. So like if you find yourself. You know, opening Twitter when when you think that you're working, so like just take a break. You're, you're you're clearly distracted. You're you're not you're not getting your your best time, and you you will do better by like going to sleep or or just like sitting and reading a book or taking a walk or whatever. Yeah, and then the third is that um, about ten years ago, this guy came up with this book, the Four Hour Work Week. Oh yeah, yeah Tim Ferriss. Yeah, yeah. It's just this idea that you can just do absolutely nothing and get everything done. Uh, I mean, it was it was all like you know outsourcing it to other places, and you know someone was putting in forty hours. It just it wasn't you. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think the thing is, you you should outsource what you can. Mm-hmm. But the, sure, I mean, don't 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 do low value work or work that you can pay someone else to do. Yeah, but at some point, you you need to do some work. So in the old days, people had assistants. Mm. Do you have an assistant? I do. Okay. Uh, so nowadays, maybe. CEOs have assistants, sometimes executives have assistants. But it used to be that like, you know, the engineers had had an assistant. You know, there was maybe one assistant for for three engineers and there was like a, a secretarial pool. I resisted having an assistant for a long time because mm-hmm. I saw it as elitist thing. Yeah, same. And finally what happened was the team said, "Hey, Please get one. Yeah, yeah. And so, John, my co-founder, I share one. Like, you're, it's really hard to schedule stuff with you. Yeah. Because we'll send you an email asking for a meeting, and then you try to get to it. Yeah, and then it just never happens. Yeah. Uh, so. So was it mostly scheduling that was needed? Scheduling, uh, travel plans, mm-hmm. helping with all hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just basic stuff like, hey, I would book us restaurants for offsites because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, it's just 15 minutes. And the team's like, we want you to go answer. My sales email, or like do this and not mess around with booking a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. The very first role that we hired, both at Circle and at Dark, was I guess it wasn't quite assistant, but there, you know, in 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 the early days, the administrative person you hire has overlap between uh, between assistant uh, and office manager, and that was wonderful in in both cases. It was it was a thing that we 
you know, we, we never spend time setting up payroll. Oh, I um, did that. Yeah. I, uh, I did the payroll. Finding I, offices, all, I did all, all this stuff is, is like, you know, stuff that you can that you can leverage better as a founder. I remember going down to City Hall to file our DBA. Okay, I think I did that one. Yeah. Like it's right, it's really neat because um it's right next to in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. We had to get a DBA because we were trying to get healthcare. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, the name don't match. Yeah, 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 yeah. DBA in San Francisco is right next to the marriages. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And so City Hall in San Francisco, in case you don't know, has this beautiful, beautiful building where like a lot of people actually go mm-hmm. to get married there. It's pretty, yeah. It's not just like your, you know, dumpy city hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was actually really cool because I was sitting there like trying to form the business. And like when you're getting married, I think it's one of the happiest moments of your life. Mm-hmm. So there's all these kind of giddy couples and their families mm-hmm. sitting there waiting too. Thanks for listening to this episode of To Be Continuous, brought to you by Heavybit and hosted by me, Paul Baker of Dark, and Edith Harbaugh of Launch Darkly. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. While you're there, check out their library, home to great educational talks from other developer company founders and industry leaders. 